Welcome to that weekend feeling with Darren Mann. So the Springboks have named their squad for the Rugby World Cup starting in France next month. As always, a few eyebrows raised here and there. Joining us to reflect on the composition of that squad, former Springbok himself, he's a super sport rugby commentator and analyst, Rob Kempson. Thanks for joining us, Rob. How are you going? Uh, absolute pleasure. Thanks, Darren. No, very well. Thanks yourself. Not too bad. Initial thoughts on that uh, Springbok squad for the Rugby World Cup? Yeah, as with everyone, a disappointment in the three that are left out due to injury. Um, uh, both world-class players, both have won the World Cup. So, yeah, I think it's, it's probably a bit of a tough ask for them to get ready before the tournament starts, which is just in a month's time now. I think it's 29 days to go. So, yeah, uh, you know, we're a little bit thin in the fly stocks. We're probably a little bit thin for a goal kicker, which is vitally important for... Um, any World Cup campaign. So now let's hope that perhaps the likes of Andre Pollard can come back into the mix sooner rather than later. So Andre Pollard and Lakanya Am, the two high-profile omissions due to injury, Lord de Jaga's in that mix as well. I see some of the players not in the squad are travelling for the warm-up games against Wales and the All Blacks ahead of the start of the tournament. Yeah, no, I think you know, the, the planning, as always, um, you know, with Rusty and Jacques is exceptional. So you know, it gives those players still an opportunity to put their hand up should an injury come around. Um, and you know, from the you know, trying to keep the squad together, I think the majority of the squad, a guy like Thomas Tutoy, who misses out, to keep him in the mix and make sure that he's fit and strong. If you know, other injuries do happen, then I think it's vitally important for the campaign. We've included four scrum halves in the 33-man squad. You surprised by that? <laughs> I think everyone's quite surprised by that, yeah. Um, listen, they, they've all got various talents um, with regards to what they bring to the table. So, you know, yes, it's abnormal, one would think. Uh, but, you know, you just think a guy like Fuff probably can cover the fly off, but there should be a, a few problems there you know, in one of the games. And then the experience of Reinach obviously brings a lot to the table. And then two you know, youngsters that really bring so much more to the table, a lot of pace, a lot of energy. So then you get a bit of a balance with regards to those four. But uh, generally, you know, three will come off to a World Cup is the norm. You mentioned goal kicking. It is a concern for many. Marnie Lubbock going over as probably first choice fly half and most recognised goal kicker. He's had a good record in the URC, but still unproven at test level. A tough day at the office against Argentina last weekend. But if he's not playing, then we're relying on Fuff, maybe Cheslin Colby and a few others. We are a bit thin. Listen, very thin uh, goal kicking was. Uh, but again, that said, um, you know, going... A guy like Colby, you've mentioned, does kick and did kick um, for his club. Um, but but you know, Test rugby is a different level. And you know, we've got such big games coming up. The Scotland game is now a big game in the context of how things are working out. Um, Ireland's a massive game. Uh, you know, if we get through those two, along with uh, you know, Tonga, then we, we still have the, the, the quarterfinal to play. Um, and goal kicking is, you know, defence and goal kicking pretty much wins World Cups. So to go in as thin as we are is, is a bit of a concern. But um, again, you know, with the, the way that these things are um, planned with regards to you know, the way Rusty and Jacques do things, um, they would have covered absolutely every base uh, before selecting the squad that they have. And to, to have those three big guns out, I think, you know, as much as a disappointment, they, they would have had things in place to ensure that, you know, we, we stock up, particularly the goal-kicking side of things. Um, and yes, Yamani is uh, he's an out-and-out 
only real flaws that he's chosen, so he would be the front runner for that position. But, you know, with him, as with anything, confidence. So very vitally important for him to go into this with as much confidence as the box can give him and, you know, play those games overseas um, and get such good momentum going into the World Cup. What are your thoughts on Sia, Robbie? Uh, injury and uh, operation, I think as recently as April, all the signs and the signals are positive from the box squad, but uh, we need him to, to hold up and hit the ground running. Listen, as you will, I mean, he's an absolute professional in what he does. I think regardless of whether he's fully fit or not, he's a must on the plane to the World Cup. Uh, what he brings as, with his leadership, what he brings into the squad and how he brings that squad together is so important. Um, so, you know, yes, we do need to hit the ground running. But again, I don't think they'll throw him into the deep end unless he's not 100% ready to get stuck in. So perhaps towards, you know, the probably the latest stages of um, the pool games. But just having him along, I think, is enough uh, just to go and get the squad uh, cracking for the World Cup. As Bok fans, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves looking at quarterfinal and possible semifinal matchups? You mentioned Scotland, our opening game. Tonga have got a few players back that weren't available to them previously. That could be a banana peel in waiting. That's not the easiest pool, never mind the fact that Ireland are in there with us. Yeah, listen, it's been dubbed the pool of death, and that is. Um, it's, it's incredibly difficult to get out that pool number one, but there are no easy games in it, really. Um, and I think that's why, if you look at the, the dynamic of the squad that has been selected, um, massive forward pack, very forward orientated. Uh, perhaps that's why we need the three lines that can all kick. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, bearing in mind that the Tonga game is not going to be a walkover, and traditionally they, they like to, to bully opposition. So, you know, potentially can expect injuries to come out of that game and then the first game up is the most important now we have to you give well, pretty much knock Scotland out of the, the running first up uh, to get our World Cup underway so it is going to be an incredibly difficult one for us and pretty much every game becomes a big game so again that's why I think if you, if you look at that forward pack in particular uh, Etzebeth, Snayman I mean Ori, Jean Klein, Van Stad and they, they're all big bruises um, and I think it's exactly what we're going to need to overcome who we have to face in our pool stages What do you make of the box form going into the World Cup after the opening rugby championship game against Australia we really all felt really confident. Then uh, away to the All Blacks, not so good. At home to Argentina, less good. And then a win away. Where are we at the moment? Ah, uh, the win away. That's the important one, to be honest with you. Uh, listen, pretty much a second stringer you know, that went over there. Many of those guys didn't make the final squad. But for them to perform after a flight uh, one week later um, in a different country, I think is quite exceptional. It just shows there is a strength in depth within the squad and the broader squad. And I think that's the type of form that we can expect them to take um, overseas for the last two warm-up games. I think I think we're in a good space. Um, uh, you know, everyone's worried about the Argentine, uh, you know, one-point victory we had at Ellis Park. But certainly for me, it's, you know, I think the planning has been meticulous. I think we're going to, you know, peak at the right time. I think an indication of that is last week's game that they played um, in Argentina. And I think they'll take that momentum into the, the last two games that they're going to play before the World Cup. Okay, so you play the prediction game with us now. How do you see this going? Name the quarterfinalists. Where does it go from there? It depends how much money I'm putting on it, Darren. <laughs> listen, no, listen, I'm very confident we'll make a quarterfinal. It does depend who we meet in that quarterfinal. Um, for want of 
Uh, we, we actually potentially prefer to meet the All Blacks, to be honest, um, in view of the fact that I, I don't think the adjudicators, I'm talking about the men in the middle of the field, are going to gift us a victory against France in their homeland. Um, so I think a, a Southern Hemisphere quarterfinal for us would be a, a, sort of a, a better plan to try and get into that semi. No winning team ever blamed a referee. You've touched on the men in the middle, Rob. How important is their interpretation and consistent interpretation of the rugby laws going to be? It's that one word, consistent. Um, I think that's what, I mean, all these coaches, and this includes Rusty to whoever it might be, they just want consistency. Consistency in the TMO, consistency in the breakdown, um, and whatever yellow or red cards might be given away, you know, that's, that will come in, in the World Cup anyway. Um, and I think vitally important that it, get that consistency right, that from you know one referee to another, that things aren't you know, slightly different in the way that the outcome uh, comes for those games. So they are vitally important. They're integral to the, to the game, let's make no mistake. I think with this new bunker system for the TMOs, it's definitely going to speed the game up and thankfully takes that pressure moment away from the referee when deciding red cards. Um, so I think it's a much better way of dealing, particularly with uh, potential foul play. But again, uh, you know, if you, if South Africa catches the wrong referee in the wrong game at the wrong time, um, in view of what's gone on in our past, uh, it, it, it can be a difficult one for us. But thankfully, I, th- I think you know, much of the damage with regards to referees and SA rugby has been repaired, and that you know we get a free and, and fair crack like everyone else deserves. Last time the Rugby World Cup was held in France, 2007, it was John Smith who held the Webb Ellis Trophy aloft. If it's not Sia Khaleesi this time, who else do you reckon are in the running with a big shout? Home side France and All Blacks Ireland, who are ahead of us in the rankings. Is that where it ends? There's a dark horse out there. Um, particularly if you look at the other side of the draw. Um, England not quite hitting their straps. Wales, all of a sudden. Uh, Gatlin's done an incredible job in the last couple of months in building a, you know, quite a youthful squad. Um, that's got a victory over England last week. But, you know, if you, if you look at Argentina and their side of the draw, they've pretty much, if they get it right, have a free run to the semis. So there's a, a bit of a dark horse in Wales and Argentina. But, yeah, I think your front runners, Ireland, France, South Africa. And uh, unfortunately, we're in the same side of the draw. <laughs> Robbie Kempson, former Springbok rugby prop, former coach of the Eastern Province Kings, amongst others, and of course, super sport commentator and analyst. Thanks for your time. Looking forward to great Rugby World Cup, Rob. Thanks for joining us on that weekend feeling. Thanks, Darren. Awesome to chat again, mate. That was That Weekend Feeling with Darren Mann.